Hey there, IES teens. My name is Pastor Melissa, and I'm so grateful and happy to be here with you this weekend as part of your summer series, Jesus First. Um, I love sharing the Word of God with the young, and so when Pastor Josh asked me to be a part of this sermon series, I immediately said yes. So I'm really, really excited to see what God is going to do in our hearts this morning. Um, but first, I have to say that I'm very aware of the atmosphere that we're in right now, this somewhat somber atmosphere. There's fear, um, anxiousness, frustration because of what we're going through globally, but also here in Indonesia. Well, my prayer, my special prayer is that my message this morning will lift our spirits and draw us closer to Jesus, especially during this time, right? So before we get into it, how about we pray and prepare our hearts to hear from him? Let's pray. A Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time where we can gather together and worship you through hearing your word today. Um, Father, may your Holy Spirit speak to us, open our ears, our spiritual ears, our spiritual eyes, and help us to be sensitive to your voice. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen. Now, you have an incredible theme for this sermon series this summer, Jesus First. Now, it's incredible because when we do that, it's incredible for our lives and it brings glory to God. However, to put it in practice is another issue itself. It can get very challenging. And some of us think we put Jesus first, but we actually don't. And so I'm going to introduce you to a person in the Bible, and his name is Habakkuk. And you can find a book written about him in the Old Testament. And maybe you've skipped through it because, firstly, it's really short. Um, it's three chapters long, but also because, you know, not many people preach out of that book, actually. But he was a prophet. And you may have heard about prophets. Well, prophets had one major job, and that was to be a spokesperson for God. So God would give the prophets a message, and then the prophets would relay that message to the people of God. And so Habakkuk was one of those prophets. But in the book of Habakkuk, um, it actually shows us some prayers, these prayers that he prayed to God. They're really interesting. And you can see actually read the whole book in one sitting, trust me, probably take you about 10-15 minutes. But in this message, I'm going to invite us to look at the beginning of the book of Habakkuk and the end of the book of Habakkuk. So if you have your Bibles with you, can I invite you to open up to chapter 1. We're going to read um, that first part that I'm mentioning um, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. And I'm reading out of the NLT translation. So while I'm reading, if you look at your Bible and it's a little bit different, don't worry. It's probably because you're using another, um, another translation. But just make sure that you have Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. I'm going to read it out for us. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous. 
so that justice has become perverted. You probably can sense frustration in this prayer, and you're exactly right. Habakkuk is in this environment where there's injustice, disobedience, suffering. And so he prays to God, kind of like this kind of prayer. Uh, Jesus, God, do you not see what's going on? How come you're not doing anything? I'm just so tired of seeing everything go wrong. And I know you're there, but it seems like nothing's getting better. Maybe you've prayed a prayer like that. I know I have, but Habakkuk is frustrated here. So now we're going to go to the end of the book. And this is very important, reading the first part in the end, like I said at the beginning. Uh, go to Habakkuk 3, and we're going to read Habakkuk 3, verses 17 to 19. And I'm going to read from the NLT um, again. All right. And this is incredible. So pay, pay attention here. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Incredible, right? Compare the posture of prayer that Habakkuk had at the beginning and the end. And so when I read that, I went, I want to be like that because I can't help. Sometimes I do get frustrated with situations and I might pray to God, a complaint, which is interesting because in between those two prayers, Habakkuk actually makes two complaints to God and God replies to him. So he has a very close relationship with God, obviously, because he's a prophet. But that kind of intimate relationship, I want to let you know, is available for you and I as well. We can be transparent and authentic with God. We can come to him with what we're feeling and what we're thinking, and he's not going to be mad at you. He's not going to be disappointed at you. In fact, he wants to hear from you. So back to the contrast between the two prayers that we just read. At the beginning, he's upset. He's frustrated. But now we see that it's all dramatic. He's saying, even though all of these things are happening, you are still my God. and I'm still going to rejoice in you. You know what? I really want to be like that. I, I, I want to get to a place where even though I may pray um, out of frustration, but at the end of the day, I still want to worship him. I still want to praise him. And it's hard, but it's possible. So before we go into a section where we talk about what happens when he comes first, which is the title of my message, actually, I want to propose three statements for us to um, reflect on, think about. And these statements are not meant to make you feel bad or guilty, but I really wanted to propose these statements because it's really hard to do the right thing if you don't know what the wrong thing is or you don't even feel that you're in the wrong. So when we want to figure out whether Jesus is first, I think it's really important to check where we are in that. Um, how are we doing in putting Jesus first? If you're doing great, that's great. But these questions you might want to ask yourself now and then. They're really useful, not just for teenagers, for everybody, because it's so easy 
to not put Jesus first. So here are the three statements that I'm going to read for us. Number one, if Jesus isn't priority in your life, and I'm using priority as, I guess, a word to describe Jesus being number one. If Jesus isn't number one priority in your life, then something or someone else is. That's fact. Something has to have the top spot in your life. And that thing or the person is what consumes your mind, takes up all your energy, all your focus, your resources. Everything you are is for this person. So have a think about that today. Um, what consumes my mind? And guess what? Even good things can be number one. Even good things in our life can come first. And I mean our parents, our schoolwork, our hobbies, you know, things that we own. All of those things are blessings, but they can easily take the place of Jesus. So think about that question today. Number two, number two statement is this. If Jesus isn't number one priority in your life, then perhaps you feel um, he has disappointed you. Now, a lot of times, a lot of Christians feel bad for even considering this. Oh, I don't want to say that I feel Jesus disappointed me to anybody. I feel it, but I don't want to acknowledge it because that sounds really unchristian. Like I said at the beginning, it is so important, you know, in our relationship with Jesus to just be real with him. Just be honest with him. He, he really values that from us. And in turn, he's going to be real to us. You know, he, he can't help us if we are in denial and we're always fake, I guess, right? So if he's not priority in your life, and it could be that it's because he has disappointed you. Maybe you've prayed for something for so long and you just don't see it. It hasn't happened to you. Or you prayed for one outcome and it turns out something else happened. And you, you just don't get it. You know, God, I, I, I've asked you for years and, it, and you just don't listen to me. I'm disappointed in you. And you know what? When we're disappointed with somebody or we, we just feel they haven't come through for us, you're not going to make them priority. You're going to find it really hard to make them number one because you might start to believe they're not really relevant into your life. They don't do anything for you. So have a think about that. How do you really feel about your relationship with Jesus? The third um, statement, third question um, that we're going to use to reflect on where we are in putting Jesus first is, if Jesus isn't priority in your life, number one priority, sorry, it's because you haven't experienced his love. Look, like I said at the beginning, it's not meant to make you feel bad. But what I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes, you know, we got to assess, you know, do you feel that God loves you? Do you believe that God loves you? Because when you truly know how much he loves you in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, you're going to be so grateful for that. And you're going to want to make him first in your life. It's inevitable. It's like when you like someone, when you like someone and you feel like, oh, you know, all the goosebumps and all that, suddenly they become really, really important in your life. They, they you know, they take priority. You answer their call straight away or you make time for them. You know, kind of the same thing goes for our relationship with Jesus. When you're overwhelmed by his love for you, you're going to do a lot of things for him out of gratitude, you know, just because you're so overwhelmed. 
So those three questions that I put down are actually questions I ask myself too. So we're in this together um, and they can help you figure out where is Jesus in my life? You know, is there some work I have to do? And you know what? If you went um, through those three questions just now and it's like, no, 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 or I don't think so. Today is the best day to decide to put Jesus first in every area of your life. All right. Okay. So now we're going to get into the good stuff. What happens when Jesus is first in our lives? I mean, many sermons will tell you you have to, but this is amazing. Like, you know how we were contrasting the two prayers that Habakkuk made? And I said, well, he can pray like that because he puts God first, right? I looked uh, kind of like deeper into his second prayer, you know, the prayer that we read from chapter three, verses 17 to nine. And I kind of like took some pointers out of it of how you know, how our life ends up when we put Jesus first. Because it's obviously, uh, obviously, sorry, it's obvious that God is very important to Habakkuk, right? That he can pray like that. So I use that prayer to kind of inspire me. What happens when I put Jesus first in my life? And so I have another three points for us to look at, and you can follow along. When we put Jesus first in our life, number one, your situation, whatever it is, if it's bad, if it's a disadvantage to you, it won't rob you of your peace. Habakkuk says, I mean, sorry, in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 17, it says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, even though there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, the field lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. That's the situation that Habakkuk uses. Basically, it's a pretty horrible situation. Nothing is working the way they should. Trees that are supposed to bear fruit aren't bearing any fruit. Um, fields that are supposed to be full with grass have nothing on them. They're dry. It may be that you're in that similar situation. Things aren't working out for you. Things aren't as you planned, right? But when you have Jesus first in your life, those situations, they might disrupt your peace. You'll shake a little bit, right? Your foundation, but it won't rob you of your peace entirely because you have Jesus with you. He'll, you'll have the Prince of Peace in your heart, right? And so, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 9, also went through a similar situation. Now, this is a real, real situation. Now, with Habakkuk, he used an illustration to ex you know, express his conviction. But with Paul, it was, it was serious. He was in prison, right? So he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So you can see uh, Paul's also in that situation where there's bad stuff happening to him. It does affect him. He's not saying I'm superhero. It doesn't affect me. No, he's saying um, he's afflicted in every way, but he's not crushed. He's perplexed. He's persecuted, struck down, but he's not taken out. And that will happen to us 
when we put Jesus first in our lives, right? And just like Paul said, when he's first in our lives, we'll have the surpassing power that belongs to God, helping us maintain our peace and calm posture when the situation around us is chaos, right? Number two, I hope you're following me. Um, and it, and you understand what I'm trying to say here. Number two is when we put Jesus first, when he comes first, you can still be joyful when the hard times hit you. So before we talked about peace, now it's about joy. Joy is different from happy. Happy is this emotion that comes and go, but joy is long lasting. It's deeper. Right, And so Habakkuk 3.18 says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. At the beginning of the book, he's, his prayer is, you know, full of frustration, right? He's crying out to God. But now he's saying, even though my situation is really bad, even though it will get worse, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm still going to have that joy. I want that, especially during this time, you know, this season that we're in uh, with all the chaos around us, the grief, the loss. How do I maintain my peace? How do I maintain my joy, right? So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, it says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. He belongs to Jesus Christ. When we put Jesus first in our lives, we belong to him and he is ours as well, right? We can be joyful, right? Because we're, and we can be full of gratitude, you know, we can keep on praying because he gives us that ability to maintain that kind of discipline, you know, that kind of yearning for God in our lives. So this is like incredible because you might say, well, I just don't feel like it. Well, that's the thing. Happy is a feeling. Joyful is this posture is this state that you're in where yes there'll be you know you might cry you might be down but you're going to dig deep in your relationship with Jesus and you can still say I'm going to praise you no matter what I'm going to rejoice not the fact that my situation's bad I can't re really rejoice because of that but I rejoice that I have you while I go through all of that number three the last point when you put Jesus first in your life, you get new and supernatural strength to endure and overcome what you are facing. The key word here is new strength. You know, when things get tough, uh, the strength that you have starts to get depleted and you might actually, you know, be, be totally like weak. But when you put Jesus first, you get his supernatural strength through the Holy Spirit that lives in you. In Habakkuk 3.19, he says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Again, this is an illustration. He's saying, you know what? Even though my situation is bad, I'm still going to rejoice and praise him. And I know that he's going to give me strength. And I'm going to be running around as light as a deer, right? And that's something that we sometimes forget, that we can get physical strength when we pray to Jesus, right? It's supernatural for a reason that we can't really explain it. So when you're feeling weak and you're feeling down because of what's happening around you, 
when Jesus is first, you're going to go to him. You're going to say, Jesus, I need strength. And you know what? He'll give that to you. He'll give that to you because he loves you and you're his child. In Philippians 4.13, Paul says, and this is a very famous verse, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And I think some, you know, most of us will know Paul went through really hard times as a missionary, as an apostle of God, and he had everything, then he lost everything that is material things, but he gained everything in Christ. But he's saying, you know what, I can overcome everything. I can be content in every situation because I have Christ who gives me strength. And that is what happens when we put Jesus first in our lives. So, IAS teams, you know, the easy answer to why should I put Jesus first is because he deserves it. But human beings are kind of weird that that's probably not a good enough reason for you. It, it should be, but it may not. It might not sound that convincing. So I want to close on this note. This really will be my close. Um, Jesus made us a priority when he left his home in heaven to come to earth to be one of us, to be human, and to be amongst us. Think about that. He left his beautiful home in heaven to come to earth. And trust, you know, trust me, I, I think I'm pretty sure earth is nothing like heaven. And he did that because he loved us so much. And he came not to just holiday on earth, but to obey his father, die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and to be you know, raised again to life so that we could have a resurrected life. We could have a new life in Christ. And so I don't know about you. That's a pretty good reason to put him first, uh, aside from all the benefits that we were talking about before. But he really does deserve that number one spot in our life because he's given us so much not just his own life, the blood that he shed, but every blessing that we've experienced in our lives so far that all came from him. So out of gratitude, we put him at the center of our hearts. We, we say, Jesus, you take that throne. Everything else is a blessing for, from you. And so the blessing can't be greater than the giver of the blessing. And so just remember that, you know, whenever you start to feel that one thing or one person is consuming everything that you are, it may be that Jesus is kind of like slipping down in priority. Don't freak out. Don't be like, oh my gosh, I'm not a Christian. Just stop and just speak to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry that you not only became second, but you kind of out of mind, out of mind, out of sight. But I want you to I want you to help me make you number one in my life and he will hear your prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we thank you for giving us this time of worshiping together. Father, you know how hard it is for us sometimes to make you first, to put you first in every area of our lives. So Lord, I pray for everyone in this service that you give us that wisdom, you give us that strength, that ability to make you first. Um, let the Holy Spirit speak to us when we are putting other things in your place, Lord Jesus. 
Father, I pray for protection over everyone in this service, healing for those who are sick, whether physical, emotionally, Lord. Um, you are the great healer. You are the provider. And we love you so much. And you deserve that number one place in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Sunday. God bless you. And thank you for having me.